Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. Today on the show, we have Jeevan Matharu. Jeevan is a financial advisor, an author, and a transformational coach whose IQ puts him in the top 2%. We discuss what it means to be a person of value and how he's coupled his intelligence with an insatiable appetite for new information. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Jeevan. Welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm really good, thanks. And uh, thank you very much for, for having me on, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you reaching out. Now, I was looking through uh, some of your background and what you're, what you're getting into and what you've done so far, and I'm excited to have you on the show. I love when I get to be able to have people on the show that aren't part of the same culture that I'm in, or even in the same country. And I'm sure people could tell right off the bat, just by hearing you say any sort of words, it's not like you're from Philly like I am. I yeah. uh, appreciate you being on. And why don't you give us some context? Uh, what do you do for a living? And one thing that most people don't know about you. I mean, as, as with uh, anyone these days, it's, it's, you know, when you're trying to become a, a valuable person, you'll have a few things on the go. Yeah, as, as you'll probably know, I don't know what you do outside of the podcast, but you've probably got a few things that, you, that you're, you're sort of doing. So historically, I've worked in wealth management. So being a financial advisor and a retirement planner, essentially, for the elderly, shall we call it, that are looking to decumulate some of the assets they've built up over time. I came to the conclusion quite a number of years back that I had other things to offer. So I actually wrote a book um, called Become a Person of Value, which I'm sure we'll come to talk about at some point. But predominantly, that book is split into 25 to 30 chapters that splits out areas that help people grow into, as you've said, mastery. So that may be how to set goals correctly, how to understand your own psychology, how to continue to motivate yourself, self-improvement on a, on a more general basis looking at personality types, etc. So you can see that all of those chapters are aligned to self-improvement overall, but split down into sort of those more niche areas that really come together to help you create your own value. So, you know, a lot of the time, as you'll know yourself, Nick, many people tend to seek money. So, you know, looking for that quick move, that quick book, that self, um, that, um, get rich quick scheme etc that doesn't exist and and they don't want to actually become someone who's valuable provide value which then will provide remuneration later on it might not be instant gratification you know that's fine but it's something that is a long-term process and you know mastery is not a a two-week job it's something that you have to dedicate time to over the long term so that's the sort of first book we will come on to the second book as well um in terms of coaching so that's really off the back of the book and, and me wanting to offer more of a personal service to those who want to look at the more specifics of their situation. You know, the book is a more generic and general um, go-to manual, essentially, that maybe doesn't have that personal connection that someone wants to talk about their situation and have someone sort of bounce off ideas with them. So that's where the coaching comes in. And um, that's called Vanquish Transformational Coaching. And that's something I'm very passionate about helping people to become the best person they can be because at the end of the day you know if you want to improve the world you need to improve your improve yourself first of all you know if you improve yourself you know let's say you start a business 
that's turning over, let's just keep the math simple, £500,000 a year, you're taking £100,000 of that, you might be able to employ 10, 15 of your friends, you know, paying 10, 20, 30,000 pounds a year. So you're uplifting their lives. They can put food on the table for their kids. Their kids will then have higher self-esteem, maybe be, be able to get into better relationships. So it has a knock-on effect. And, you know, you want to make an impact. Well, I know I sure, I, I sure do. An impact that is going to affect a lot of people on a positive-based approach rather than on a negative-based approach. So that's you know really where the coaching comes in and finally from from the sort of professional side uh, the second book that's coming out is a much more interactive book than the first so you know let's, let's use you as an example nick it might be that you know you've, you've got a copy of the book and there's 300 let's call it 66 questions so a question a day that you need to answer so the first question may be well where do you need to be in five years time you would then have a obviously a page to write down your answer then there'll be some guidance about, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And obviously some input from myself. And then there's obviously some further pages to to maybe refine your answer slightly and develop an action plan saying, OK, well, if I want to be here in five years time, what daily habits and daily routines do I need to do today, tomorrow and next week, next year, the year after in order to get there? So that's really my background um from from as i said the professional standpoint i don't, don't know if you want to know about hobbies and stuff as well but you know i'm not sure exactly i mean i i always appreciate when people share whatever it is that makes them up so that's part of the reason why i asked the question of what do you do for a living and what's one thing that most people don't know about you because typically the people you work with don't know the thing that's kind of one of the most interesting things about you so what's that thing that most people don't know about you um so most people probably don't know that i'm a member of uh, mensa if you're familiar with the organisation. No, what's up? Um, so Mensa is an organisation designed for people with high IQ. So in the top 2% of IQ. So you have to take mm-hmm. an IQ test. If you're in the top 2%, either on the... Um, well, there's two tests, basically. There's a non-verbal and the more verbal-based test. If you get in on any of those, you yeah. are then... Um, allowed to enter essentially and it's not one of those where you know everyone's a geek or everyone's strange you know just because you're intelligent doesn't mean that you haven't got other things or interesting things about you so that's something that Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know um i'm a bit anal um in in some respects in terms of if i don't know something let's say that off the end of this call there's something that you said that i i'm not aware of or something that i know little about I'll probably go away at some point today or tomorrow and have a little read up about it just to keep myself abreast of anything that I feel that I've missed out on. Because at the end of the day, look, kids are very good at this. They're very curious. I don't know if you've got kids or around kids at, uh, at any stage, but they ask some strange questions. What's this? Who's that? What's this? Why <laughs> yeah. this? And it's just to try and understand their environment. And I don't think I've really ever lost that. And I think that does stand me in good stead, really. Because, look, at the end of the day, questions are everything. You know, let's take your podcast as an example, Nick. You know, if if we were in a coaching session and you would say, look, I want to increase um, uh, the the revenue for my podcast. Although that's a good question, it would be more around the other questions. You know, how can you get better guests onto your podcast? You know, how can you reach more people? What sort of demographic are you after? What sort of content do you want to put forward? Are there any collaborations that you can um, look to incorporate? So they're they're the real questions, not the general question everyone asks. Oh, how can I increase revenue? That's 
broken down and that's as i said what kids are very very good at um asking those direct questions that's a great point no i i don't have any children but i was a kid at one point and i remember asking so many questions that i would piss my mom off she'd be like why yeah. because i'm gonna kill you that's why and I'm like, well, I'm just asking, you know, like, help me understand this thing. And I realized that over the course of time, there were a lot of people, and I think it was right around maybe middle school, where people were like, I'm not going to ask questions because now I'm starting to see that maybe I don't know all the things and you're going to make me feel stupid when I ask a question. And then people start to veer off. I love that you still continue to ask questions. I, I think that's an important thing that a lot of people don't really think about because honestly, they've gotten so far into life that they don't think about that shit normally, where they just don't think about the process of thinking about things. They just kind of move along. And the next thing you know, it's months or years later, and they're like, I have no idea how I've been in this job for 20 years. I have no yeah. idea how we've stuck in this relationship or what have you. Uh, and do you think that ties in with you being in that upper two percentile? Or do you think that's just something that was part of your environment? Um, I mean, it's it's a difficult one. Um, in terms of the upper two percent percentile, as you said, there's there's really two sides to intelligence, as far as I'm concerned. One is, as you said, the questions and the curiosity to actually delve deeper into things that gives you that that sort of back level filing cabinet worth of knowledge. You know, you've read, let's say, a hundred books. Let's say twenty percent of that knowledge is stored on a concrete basis, and then fifty percent is tangible yet intangible in some respects. And then 30, 40% you don't remember at all. So that is a really good knowledge base to reflect other ideas off. The other type of intelligence that forms part of that same merit is your processing speed. So for everyone who's got a laptop out there, you know, you've got your i2, i3, i4, i5, i7, i10 processors. That sort of IQ is the processing speed. So it doesn't mean that there's no direct correlation between success and intelligence. There's just not. A lot of the time, it's your work ethic, your your mentality, your mindset, your goal setting. The IQ is just a nice to have that can maybe help. Um, so it doesn't mean to say that you know someone with a high IQ is any better than anyone else. But definitely, the questioning uh, does help. Um, I just want to touch as well on the point that you mentioned about the kids and the the the, the curiosity of kids. Sometimes we can learn from kids. So greatly that it's very understated kids are so honest you, you've probably seen where mums are wearing the outfit and they ask the kids how do you look oh you look fat i don't like it yeah <laughs> they, the reason they're so honest because they've not had this negative programming you know they don't ask questions with the feeling of i'm gonna look like an idiot here they are asking the questions on the basis they just really want to know the answer and if we could take a leaf out of so many kids books it's frightening you know they have such a positive attitude towards life they're very inquisitive they're very honest um if they want to do something they'll do it they have massive aspirations i want to be an astronaut i want to be a president we have been negatively programmed whether it's from school whether it's from the news whether it's from friends family and and that those limiting beliefs can have a real negative effect on where you could be in three, five years' time. You know, if you don't feel that you could be, let's say, a professional boxer, just, I don't know why that just came to mind, you will never be a professional boxer. I use the example of an architect. You know, the, the house that you're sitting in now, Nick, uh, Nick, 
It was first designed in the mind of an architect. It was drawn down on paper, you know, the blueprints. It was then sent to the builder. He built it. It was decorated, and here you are with your photos and your bookshelf in the background. Life is no different. You know, you have to design in your mind the outcome that you're after. You know, let's take my book, for example. I designed it in my mind first, thinking, okay, what do I want from a book? Great, we'll make the plan of action, and then we'll start to write the book. And yes, along the way, a book's a little bit different than the house. A house has to be much more finite. But as it's getting built, I can amend and adapt things accordingly. So, you know, for all the listeners out there that maybe want to improve their life, build something in your mind first. You know, visualise a business. Visualise, you know, the ideal partner. Visualise, you know, the friendship circle you want to be in. Visualise the role that you want. Unless you can do that, it's, it's going to be very difficult for something just to land on your lap without any sort of form of specificity about what you're after. Does that make sense, Nick? Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. I, I think of that kind of dichotomy between clarity and just taking action and just moving along on things. Because there are a lot of people that will think through so many things and then they get stuck in paralysis by analysis and they just keep thinking through and thinking through and then there are other people that are just almost too simple where they're like, well, fuck it, have the idea, move it along. And yeah, they just move yeah. along on things. But they figure a lot of stuff out. Now, I try to actually be a balance between those where I think through things a bit. And I know that I can get lost in those thoughts. But at the same time, I know that I can be a bull in a china shop. So there's a little bit of a gray area to say, how do you mix the both of them together where you can think through it? You can think enough about it and go, all right, I got it. I'm good. And then just keep walking or start walking. So how do you work with your clients to be able to get them to think through enough of it that doesn't hold them back to then actually start taking those steps? Well, there's, there's two phrases that, that come to mind based on what you said. I think the first one is that the climbing of a mountain starts with a single step. So as you've said, you know, you need to break down these overwhelming tasks yeah. into just take the first step. Just take the second step. If you're driving yeah. home late at night and you're driving 300 miles away, you don't need to see the destination to, to continue to drive. All you need mm-hmm. to see is the next 200 meters with the headlights. Yeah. And you have the faith mm-hmm. that you know, you're going to get there. It's very much a case of, as you said, do you want to go under the paralysis by analysis route or do you want to act too hastily? If that, well, well too erratically, should we say, in respect of not sort of knowing when you're going. So there's got to be that sort of fine line. Yeah. And another phrase that incorporates both of those sides is that this, where there's the obstacle, that's actually the way to go. What this overthinking does is that if people see an mm-hmm. obstacle, they'll try and think their way out of it. Oh, how can I get away from this obstacle? How can I make things easier? Actually, the fact that there's an obstacle there the challenge is trying to get over that obstacle using either the skills that you've already got or when you get to that obstacle, you will develop new skills at the point that you were up at the obstacle. So, you know, many people don't like mm-hmm. failing, but failing is imperative in, in, in any walk of life. You know, if you're a kid, you know, you try and stand up yeah. and you can't and you go again. You try and walk, you can't and you go again. So, Again, taking a leaf out of kids' books, you know, we don't, we try and avert our way from danger 
we stay in a comfort zone. We don't look at things that are going to push us forward. Mm-hmm. We don't have big dreams. We try and play it safe. So what I tend to talk to clients about, and look, excuse me, as a coach, you know, it's not up to me to give you the answers. It's for us to discuss and you to come up with your own answers mm-hmm. to an extent with, with some sort of guidance yep. or questioning. And a lot of the time, it's just a mindset shift. That's all it is. It's to look at things in a slightly different way. You know, it's not what happens to you. It's what you make of it that counts. Are you looking at things on a negative basis or a positive basis? So as mm-hmm. an example, if I said to you, Nick, look, don't think of elephants. You automatically think of elephants, whether you want to or not. And what people tend to do is they will talk about the life they don't want. So they will say, I don't want to be single. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be poor. Your subconscious doesn't hear the don'ts. It just tries to act on behalf of what you've said. So instead of saying, you know, I don't want to be single, why not say, I want to be in a relationship instead? They mean the same thing, but they also don't mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. If you've got a football team and you say, you know, don't lose the game versus win the game, the behaviour of yeah. the players will be very, very different. It will be a much more cautious approach versus a more aggressive approach. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's such a, a long question to answer. You know, how do you help clients to to look at whether or not they're overthinking or, or just taking action? It's such a comprehensive tool set or conversation that we need to go through that it's very bespoke for for everyone. It's where they're at. What fears do they have? Do they have fears of failure? Do they have imposter syndrome, which is a very common one? Mm -hmm. Do they have fear of success, which, again, many people do, and they actually self-sabotage? So, yeah, it's. um, I mean, I'm spewing out a lot of information there, but it's just that, you know, it all interlinks in a way that, Obviously, once you get experience in this area, you, you see all of the the sort of coherence mm-hmm. between them. But also, they are very separate. So it's it's trying to manage that to to ensure that you know the clients are moving forward in the best way possible. Oh yeah, you start to see patterns. You'll start to see that you're similar to this other guy or this other person I talked to or what have you. But everybody is different. I also like to ask those big loaded questions. I mean, we are here on a podcast, so. Uh, I yeah. appreciate when somebody jumps in with such an answer. I would almost be pretty shocked if I talked to a coach and they're like, it's easy. We knock it out in 15 seconds. I'm like, well, that's craziness. How do you yeah. figure that out in 15 seconds? You wouldn't, you know? So I, I can appreciate being able to go through and find that stuff out. And if we actually span out a hundred feet view from this and look at this, what we're really talking about is the overall awareness and asking the right questions. And sometimes we, as individuals, can ask ourselves what can feel like the right questions, but we can talk ourselves in or out of different scenarios. So sometimes it's just talking to somebody, even if it's not a coach, it's somebody that's trusted, that's not going to feed you back bullshit. Then just go, oh, no, no, you're all right. You're okay. Like, you're totally fine. And I, I want to encourage people, if you don't have a coach, go get a coach. But if you're not going to go get a coach, at least find people that you can talk to and you can have those real questions with. And you nailed it, man. Being able to actually ask the questions will help the person get to the answer. Coaches don't just give out answers. We're not genies. 
but we know how to ask the right questions to be able to get you moving and have a body of work to be able to say, based on these other things I've seen, this is how you go about it. So I know as a coach that you have to go through experiences to be able to talk about stuff. And it sounds like you've got a lot of experiences, but we haven't really tapped back into how you grew up and uh, really anything that has made you who you are now. So are there any major episodes or situations that come to mind that you look at and you go, man, that was a moment in time that changed me? Well, I think there's, there's two um, that really come to mind. So I actually could have given this as an answer earlier that, you know, the, to one of the questions that you asked that was, well, what's one thing that people don't know about you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually expelled from, from school. So um, oh, I went man. to private school. I was, I was, as I said, I was in the top 2% of IQ. I was doing exams early and stuff. And I don't know whether it was I was not stimulated enough or whether it was my, just my personality at that point, very immature. Um, but I got thrown out of school. Maybe that's the reason that I am a coach now or are very dedicated to the self-improvement. Maybe because at that point I didn't have that sort of direction and, and wished I had someone such as myself sure. to actually talk to myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that can be the yeah, way in life that. that sometimes something that you needed earlier on in life, you end up becoming later on. So, you know, if, if let's mm-hmm. say, that, and I've seen this before, where um, someone's dad has not been that wealthy and their car was always breaking down so the kid actually mm-hmm. ended up becoming a mechanic because of obviously what they experienced in in childhood so sometimes things mm-hmm. happen for a reason and, and maybe that was you know that was the reason that happened the second sort of mindset shift for me was when i was working employed as a financial advisor i mean i still work as a financial advisor as, as i said as well but that's on a, a self-employed working for myself basis but when i was employed I, I used to have to travel around all over the country so obviously you're not from the uk mm-hmm. but if we were to say i was driving for six hours a day and i was in meetings for maybe four hours as well so maybe a 10 hour day six of those were in the car the first few months in the job i was listening to music as you do and just the normal bullshit if you know if for want of a better phrase mm-hmm. After a while, I thought, well, if I was to calculate how many hours I'm wasting sitting here in the car, six hours a day, for, yeah. you know, six days a week for, let's call it 50, years, 50 weeks a year, two weeks for vacation, of course. How much time is that? And let's say that I use maybe just three of those hours, because obviously six hours of, of learning is, 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 you know, you can get, you get to the point of diminishing returns, don't you, where after too much, so much yeah. time, you know, you can't absorb anything more. And, you know, as I said, I've got meetings within that time as well. So it was a case of, well, how can I best use this time? So I stumbled across your Brian Tracy's, your Jim Rohn's, you know, your Tony Robbins, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then obviously, as, as I said, I'm, you know, very curious. So you veer off Earl Nightingale, this person, this person, audio books, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And it really changed my mindset and my focus. And I realized mm. that instead of chasing money, as we talked about earlier, it's about becoming someone valuable. I mean, Amazon, I, I like to use the example of Amazon. People say, well, I want a business worth billions of pounds. The real question is, can you get me, think of a product, I don't know, a, a desk lamp. Can you get me a desk lamp at a reasonable price to my house within 24 hours? No. 
<laughs> no. So you haven't got a value. You, you know, there's no value there. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be able to create a proposition that is worth that value. And, and obviously Amazon has done that and, you know, many other businesses have done that as well. But if you look at yourself as a business, what values can you bring? What, what is your personality mm-hmm. type? What are you naturally good at? What compliments do people give you? You know, if you're cooking for people all the time and they're telling you, you know, that's great chicken or great steak, maybe you've got something there. Maybe, you, you know, you could be a chef and should move away from your office job. Maybe mm-hmm. you've got an interest in cooking as well. That's a perfect marriage where you can now become a chef because you love it and you're really good at it. You know, that might be your future success. Um, but people tend to forget those two and they will look at, you know, go on the read or total jobs or I don't, don't know if there's any yeah. different ones there in the States, but they'll go and they'll search by salary. I mean, I used to be like this all the time. You'll search by salary. You'll be like, this is what I'm after. And you'll try and fit a square peg into the round holes and say, well, I'll, yeah. I can maybe do that. Maybe could I? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you change your CV to sort of fit and all that sort of stuff. But actually that's not a great long-term plan because what will happen is 20 years down the road, you'll be in a job you hate, soul destroying job. And you've, along the way, you've picked up um, a lot of financial obligations that it's hard to turn away from. Mortgage payments, car payments, food. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got kids and they've got educational costs. So it's very difficult for you, for you then to come away from that career and income. So you've got to run two full-time jobs rather than one. And obviously that can lead to um, you know overwhelm. Um, and you know that can have a real negative impact on your mental health so yeah um, um, and look everyone you, you know as you said about being a coach you go through you speak to people with such different problems that yes you can categorize them to some respect but also every situation is very very bespoke mm-hmm. and individual and that's the you know the whole point really in in having um you know a coach or as you said someone who you want to speak to and what i've tended to find is two key questions when I've actually said, look, you could probably just speak to your friend, your mum, your dad about a lot of this stuff. And there's two main reasons people don't want to do that. One is obviously confidentiality and being judged by the other person, which I, I totally get. Someone who's not in your close circle, but mm-hmm. you want to talk things through with. Because obviously, you know, if you've got something very deep and confidential, you don't necessarily want it to be with people who are close to you. And the second is they maybe don't trust the person enough, which I totally mm-hmm. get. But if you're one of the lucky few who has someone like that, mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, use that resource and, you know, you can bounce ideas off each other. There's something called the mastermind principle, isn't there? Everything can grow rich, where two minds create a third mm-hmm. invisible mind. And, you know, you, I mean, you'll know yourself, Nick, when you're with Mr. Jones or Mrs. Smith, the connection is very different and your ideas with that person are very different. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just need to find someone different to, to speak with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got to be mindful of who it is that you talk to about certain things. I know there are certain people that say, I don't want to burden people, but that is also a real thing. If somebody is super close to you, like your, your spouse or your partner or even your best friend shouldn't be the one that takes all of those. So it can be easy to get a therapist or a coach or somebody that's just outside that has the ability to ask the right questions. I'd say it's easier to find a coach that can do that because that's part of our jam. That's what we do. It's to ask the right questions. 
And some people can also find therapists. It can take you a while to find the right one. But being able to ask the right questions is super helpful. And do you have any resources or thoughts or advice for somebody that can start asking some of the right questions, even for themselves, to be able to help themselves at least a little bit right now? Again, we talked about things being very, very bespoke. So if we were to say you've got, let's talk about two ends of the scale. There's problems and then there's things that you want to improve on. So problems could be that, you know, you're going through a bad breakup or you've been um, you've been sacked from work or you've been made redundant. So they're the, the sort of negative-based um, problems that people go through. The other side is, you know, I'm as we talked about before, before is that let's say you're a salesman, yeah, and you're 10th in, in the ranking list of 100 salesmen in the business and you want to move to number one, how do you up that level? So one is improvement and one is trying to um, get over or improve a negative situation. We'll start with the negative first. The question you should be asking is, well, what positives can come from this? So let's say you've been made redundant mm-hmm. or you've lost a job. Did you even like the job in the first place? <laughs> you know, what are you upset about? Are you upset about the fact that you're not bringing in an income or that you actually love the job and you're missing that? So. First of all, which which, which one of, of of those is true? Another question. Well, now that you've freed up some time, what could I do moving forward? What mm-hmm. is my passion? What other opportunities could I be taking on board? Who in my network circle could I um, lean upon or use to not not use in obviously a negative way, but as in you know collaborate with to sure. start something. You know, what business have I been wanting to start that I can start? Could I travel the world? So these are all questions that come off the back of I was made redundant or I was sad. The other end of the scale is the improvement mm-hmm. side. So again, you know, from moving from number 10, let's say best salesman in, in the business, to number one, questions could be, well, what's the number one guy doing that I'm not doing? Is he... Does he speak better than you? Is he better looking than you? Is has he been at the business for longer? Does he work longer hours than you? Does he have preferential treatment from those within the business? And then the secondary questions off there as well. So let's say that he does get preferential treatment from those within the business. Great. Well, how could you get that preferential treatment? Is the guy that makes the decisions a friend mm-hmm. or a foe? If he's a foe, how can you make him a friend? What can you not offer him, but what scratches his back? You know, everyone's got a thumbscrew. I think it was um, 48 Laws of Power guy, Robert Green. The Robert Green says that every man has his thumbscrew, which means their weakness or something that they are, something that really ticks with them, if that makes sense. So if someone's into horse racing, you say, oh, I've got this spare ticket for horse mm-hmm. racing, you fancy going. And that's the guy that's going to help you. You know, maybe that might start or mm-hmm. spark a relationship. So, I mean, there's infinite questions, infinite. There's no, this question's yeah. really going to help. It's a case of you sitting down and saying, okay, pen and paper works great. This is my problem, or this is what I want to improve on. Questions, subsequent questions, subsequent questions, action points. It's the only way it can work. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you aren't finding the right questions, get rid of all distractions, meditate maybe before you go to bed, and then 
write down the questions. Mm. Meditation, I uh, I tend to use this metaphor. So I know in the States you have a post box outside the front of your house, don't you, on the drive? It's like a post box on the road mm. where you put your letters into. Yep. You know, if you don't clear that post box out, it's filled full of letters in it. There's too much information in there. Meditation is much like clearing out that letterbox. So you've got a clear mind, a clear letterbox mm-hmm. that allows new information and new letters to come in. So once you've cleared your mind, you'll be surprised of the ideas that come to mind. You think, oh, do you know what? I didn't, I didn't think about that. Oh, pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Marcus Aurelius was a, he's a. I don't like to throw around the word hero or legend very often because they are vastly overused. He was close. I mean, he was pretty much a, a hero back in the day. Well, this is it. Yeah, so so he's, you know, obviously philosopher, emperor, stoic. I don't know if you've read his 200 mm. meditations, but oh, some of the stuff in there is just ridiculous. He's so eloquent with oh my gosh. his understanding of the psyche mm. and how things work. But to to obviously cover the point I was I was going to mention with regards to Marcus was he used to say well at night time you need to look at what did you learn today what could you have improved on maybe write down in the journal yeah when you actually sleep mm-hmm. your mind is processing all this information I don't know about you but I've had this experience where I've woke up in the morning and the idea has come this is what I need to do and mm-hmm. I know that's the right answer so if you can clear your mind before you go to sleep and give your mind a chance to work at its optimum level, you'll be surprised how fast answers come to you. Um, and, and look, sometimes life doesn't go as planned, but there's always good things that can come from that. Always. There's always a positive. Mm-hmm. Don't, uh, Jim Rohn's put this the best. Let's say that you're sitting in the most beautiful location looking out the window and there's i don't know the sand in the sea or mountains or whatever it may be don't be the guy who complains about the specks on the window out of all the positives that are there (laughs) don't look at that one negative situation again if you've got loads of negative situations or or problems with your life look at the one positive you've broken up fine move on what did you like about that relationship and what was missing that you can maybe find in your next one? Look and focus on that positive. If you focus on negatives, negative things come. If you focus on positive, the positive things come. So as a man thinketh, James Allen, you know, you are what you think about all day long. If you see yourself as a champion, you will become one. Um, or let's say you don't become one. At least you will do the actions and the routines that will give you the strongest likelihood of becoming one at some point. And I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you getting into as much detail as you've gotten into. We're about time to wrap up. Uh, but I want to ask, is there one piece of advice you'd give somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery? I just think you've got to have the right dedication and you've got to want to do it for yourself, not for anyone else. If we look at a tree, um, as an example, trees tend to grow to the, the highest and strongest they can be. So when, when the seed is planted, it will grow as tall as it can go. Humans don't tend to do that. They will smoke, they'll drink, they'll eat um, fried chicken and donna meat and all, the, all the, the rest of it. Why not become more like a tree? Would it not be great to see what you could accomplish if you were to fill your potential? If you could fulfill your potential, you could 
provide more for your kids, your spouse. You know, you could look after your parents. You could travel to all these locations that you wanted to. Your bucket list could be ticked off. You know, there's so much that could happen from fulfilling your potential. And the only way to do that is to understand what your potential is, to be dedicated, disciplined, and have a plan of action. And if obviously you need assistance with direction, that's where your friend, your family, or a coach comes in to help you navigate through that. Um, but first things first is you need to have that aspiration, first and foremost, as we talked about with the architect to, to design and build a house. You need to have the you need to have in your mind the person that you want to become and reverse engineer it that way. You know, if I want to become a professional soccer soccer player, as you guys call it, there's no point in me playing lacrosse every day, is there? Because those actions and those dreams have no correlation. So a lot of the time people are doing that. They want to be an astronaut and they're working in an admin job. I mean, the chance of you becoming an astronaut from working in an admin job is uh, the reciprocal of infinity. It's never going to happen. So you've got to give yourself the strongest likelihood of what you're after occurring. It might not even occur, but you've got to play the percentages. That's good stuff, man. Well, again, I appreciate you being on. Uh, where can people uh, find and connect with you? In terms of the coaching side, Vanquish Transformational Coaching, um, which obviously you can find on Google. The, the link will be in the uh, the bio. Uh, Books-wise, Become a Person of Value is on Amazon worldwide, so you can get a hard copy or ebook there. Um, and the new book will be out towards the end of the year. Um, so obviously keep an eye out for that, guys. Um, but yeah, that's the, the best way to uh, to keep in touch. Awesome, man. Well, again, Jeevan, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much, Nick. Thanks for having me, and it's been a fantastic conversation. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Now, what keeps going around my head is to be like a child. That innocence and inquisitive nature that most of us grumpy fucking adults just seem to be jaded away from over the course of time. And I think it starts somewhere in about middle school where you start to step away from that. And then in your 20s, you get even further away. But Jeevan's an inspiration to keep asking questions and keep exploring our lives. And through that, we'll become a person of value. So what did you think about today's episode? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we got into today. And if you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and it helps others be healed. And if you really enjoyed the show today, go ahead and share it with some of your friends, people that come to mind. We covered some really awesome topics and got into depth with this. And check out the show notes for more information, contact info for Jeevan, and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and type in The Mindset and Self Mastery Show and boom, there you go. And thanks again, Jeevan, for being real, for being honest, and for being vulnerable with us and sharing some of your wisdom. And I'd like to thank our sponsors, The Manly Club and The Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. Men, do you consider yourself to be a powerhouse man? The criteria for becoming one is simple. You live with virtue and do good work. You see, a powerhouse man builds his life. He doesn't settle for it. He attacks mediocrity at the root, and that's exactly what we do in the Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. So visit themanlyclub.com for more details. And lastly, thank you. 
and most important people here. Thank you for being with us, for hanging out, and being part of these conversations. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.